My wife and I disagree about the best way to get to New York. I contend that the simplest thing to do is buzz into Logan, jump on the shuttle to LaGuardia, and hop in a cab to the city, door-to-door in three hours. Seria argues that air travel involves no buzzing, jumping, or hopping. Rather, it is a matter of crawling through traffic into Boston, schlepping bags through security, sweating it out in the tarmac, followed by a harrowing roller coaster ride of air turbulence, and topped off by playing Russian roulette with New York taxi drivers. She would rather we just drive ourselves. And oddly enough, that's what we end up doing. I get some measure of psychological revenge, however, on I-95 in Connecticut. There is always a traffic jam on I-95 in Connecticut. And as the blue lines turn to orange and then red on our GPS, I inform her in a distinctly I-told-you-so voice that there is a slowdown coming. Sometimes, however, the GPS gets it wrong, and despite the orange and red lines, Sari pushes her lead foot to the floor and tells me we'll be in Manhattan in no time. But I-95 is ever reliable, and even if one slowdown turns out to be a mirage, the next one, a few minutes later, is for real. In a similar fashion, four months ago, the data suggested that an economic slowdown was imminent. The tax cut of 2017 had boosted both consumer and investment spending in 2018, but its effects were set to fade. The government shutdown had just ended, but it appeared to have some dragging effect on the economy. Global growth looked very slow as the escalating trade war over the course of 2018 impeded both trade and investment. And economists, adding up the numbers at hand, were penciling real GDP growth of between 1 and 2 percent. As it turned out, the advance read on GDP growth for the first quarter eventually came in at 3.2%, both at a quarterly seasonally adjusted annual rate and on a year-over-year basis. Moreover, the unemployment rate resumed its downward path in April, falling to 3.6%, down three-tenths of a percent year-over-year, and registering its lowest reading since December of 1969. Payroll job growth did better also, with 263,000 jobs added in April. Finally, the earnings season turned out better than some had feared with S&P 500 operating earnings per share logging a year-over-year gain of between 4 and 5%, dousing fears of an earnings recession. Despite this better-than-expected outcome, the economy once again appears set for a slowdown, with second-quarter economic growth potentially coming in at less than 1% annualised. Numbers due out in the week ahead should help clarify whether the slowdown is for real this time. The most important part of GDP, of course, is consumer spending, and on Friday we will get estimates for consumer spending in April. Overall, real consumer spending is expected to fall by one-tenth of a percent, as a two-tenths of a percent nominal gain is swallowed up by inflation. Provided spending can bounce back in June and May, real consumer spending could still be up by 2.5% annualized for the quarter. However, such a rebound is by no means certain, given a year-over-year decline in income tax refunds and still relatively sluggish wage gains. Industry reports later this week should provide guidance on light vehicle sales in May, while trade troubles could cause consumer confidence to look a little less rosy than it appeared in the advanced University of Michigan report in the middle of May. Despite recent lower mortgage rates, home building looks subdued and pending home sales should see only a modest gain for April. The problem is one of demographics and debt. Many younger Americans are postponing starting a family and carrying significant student loans, making it difficult for them to get a mortgage. Home building should not significantly add to growth for the rest of the expansion. Investment spending is looking shaky, after a gloomy durable goods report last week. While interest rates remain low, the lift from tax breaks in the 2017 Tax Act should be fading. In addition, capital spending around the world appears to be taking a hit from rising trade tensions, as uncertainty about future tariffs causes businesses to delay investment plans. In the second quarter, business investment could post its weakest growth since 2016, with only a modest rebound in the second half of the year. 
Government spending could be relatively neutral in the second quarter as falling state and local government construction spending after a suspiciously strong first quarter offsets a rebound in federal spending following the government shutdown. However, the most important action will be in international trade and inventories, and data out on Friday should give us some important guidance in this area. In the first quarter, real inventory growth amounted to over $128 billion annualized, perhaps reflecting stock building ahead of tariffs. If this just retreats to a still above trend $60 billion pace in the second quarter, it will cut a whopping 1.7 percentage points from real GDP growth. Similarly, the first quarter saw surprising improvement in the U.S. trade deficit. However, a still high dollar, retaliatory tariffs and weak global growth, as evidenced by last week's anemic flash PMI data, it's likely that trade will be a drag on second quarter growth. Revised first quarter GDP due on Friday will also help economists calibrate their estimates of second quarter growth, and most likely by next weekend, forecasts of a second quarter slowdown will be made with greater assurance. It should be emphasized that a slowdown is not the same thing as a stall. And the provided trade conflict does not escalate too much, the economy should simply settle in to a slower pace of growth. But investors should be prepared. When we drive into Manhattan, I always make sure to pack plenty of water, budget for multiple stops along the way, and leave early enough to accommodate the delays that Sari says are a figment of my pessimistic imagination. Investors should also be prepared for a slowdown ahead not by abandoning long-term investments, but by planning for more modest returns, taking advantage of mispricing of individual securities and sectors, and maintaining a broad global diversification in their portfolios. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week, and if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only, and as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.